Welcome to Highly Educated, the podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Sherman, and tonight we bring you an incredible episode with the guys from Lil Birdie in Sag Harbor, New York. Lil Birdie was started by French chef Alexis Crisell, who knows a little thing or two about Michelin stars, and Kai Vatosh, a hospitality and operations expert and local to Sag Harbor. These guys got together during the pandemic to create something special an all-new takeout-style, fast-casual eatery that gives you the highest quality and most freshly prepared ingredients at an affordable price point. Focusing on veggies, falafel, and chicken, they've created a healthier choice for the community to dive into. With Kai's in-depth knowledge of the industry in front of the house, with Alexis's fine chef cuisine and Michelin-level attitude, they've really hit a home run here in the Hamptons. We hope you have as much fun listening as we had making this episode. Cheers. All right, we got Kai and Alexis here from Lil Birdie. What's going on, gentlemen? What are we doing? We actually have something we want to talk to you about. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, this is, we brought you down here. Um, we know you thought that you were interviewing us, but we're actually, we're turning this around. Today is going to be your special. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. We, we really want to talk to you about um, your weed <clears throat> consumption. Oh, okay. Uh, we yeah. are concerned. Wow. You yeah. haven't been smoking nearly enough. You seem way too sober (laughs) to be starting this off. I honestly, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I thought. It's okay. Your friends or family are just a little concerned, and we wanted to bring it to your attention. Mm -hmm. Wow. Man, you know, I I try so hard, you know, and I try to smoke, and eventually I'll get there. You know, Willie Nelson's my idol. Love action Bronson. I'll get there, right? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for coming on, dude. Well, thank you for having us. Lil Birdie. Yeah. Boys of Lil Birdie in uh, Sag Haba, New York. Yeah. Some call us a a children's clothing store, but we actually do much more than that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, actually, that's what people thought. A lot of people at first thought we were like a children's clothing store. Because of the name? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Because because of the logo, kind of, because it looks, you know, it's cute. Cute okay. Yeah, it looks like a storkish kind of thing. Not you know, maybe he thinks it's a stork instead of a it's chicken. I don't like know. What is it? it looks like a, I don't know. It looks like a rooster. I mean, I actually know exactly what it is because I designed lo- it. But <laughs> <laughs> it looks like a rooster. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a rooster. Yeah, it's actually based on Le Coq Sportif, which is the French national um, sport emblem. Oh yeah. Um, I because I I grew up in France, and so the when I designed the logo, I was sort of like. I wanted something that was bird related. We had gone through so many different iterations of our logo. And I finally just said, fuck it. I'm was up all night and I started putting it together on like on, on illustrator. And this is what it came out. This is what it came out with. That's and awesome. then I, and then I sent it to Kai. Yeah, it's and like a signature like, too. Yeah. It's and so he's cool. like, yeah, this is great. Let's well, do we it. We had it so many great. other iterations. It's like such yeah. a signature. The, the birdhouse. Yeah. We're all about the aesthetic, you know? Yeah. The aesthetic was a big part. I mean, the aesthetic we wanted to create a space that we would want to go to, right? We were trying to create the space that we wanted to be that, that if we were the consumers, we would want to, or the customers, we want, we would want to go music. So just to talk, you know, a little bit about the backstory here, little birdie is a great new restaurant in Sag Harbor, New York and Sag Harbor, New York. For those who are not familiar is the Eastern end of long Island. Otherwise, as Kai said, is the, this, the, the southern crotch of, of Long Island, I would say. Yeah. It's a, it's a little hamlet. A little hamlet, right in between. It's yeah. the southern part of where the legs meet. 
Yeah, yeah that's, perfect. That's what a crotch. I guess not everyone might know. So I mean, yeah, 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 hey. yeah, yeah. This is this is highly educated. We become more highly educated by listening to this podcast. True. That's we're the point. Enlightenment in the sense. We're you know? enlightening, you know, everybody with our stupidity. By the end of this, we'll have reached nirvana. Yes. Yeah, perfect. That's how we do it here. When the when the pandemic first hit, and you know the city shut down. Kai and I were both living in Brooklyn, and so when the when the city shut down, I came out to Southampton. My mom was living in Southampton. I I, I grew up in France, but I spent every single summer as a baby, uh, ever since I was a baby, in Southampton. And I've also worked at a few restaurants out here, so I oh. I, I know I know I know the East End pretty well. Yeah. Um. So I came out here, and there was like nothing to do. I was with my mom, and. I was ordering food, and I realized that everything was very, well, not to talk shit about other restaurants, but no, no. it was very underwhelming and incredibly expensive. And yeah. I sort of, you know, because my background isn't cooking, I've been cooking for the past 17 years. Alexis is being very modest. Uh, he's been chef at many very <laughs> well-regarded restaurants. He, in fact, had his own restaurant that got a Michelin star. Uh, in Williamsburg. Oh, but, yeah. You yeah, yeah. fancy, mm. but yeah, he, ran me. he well, ran into the ground. Because I ran into the ground. Well, as we plan as on doing most great chefs do. I was young and I didn't know. I mean, I thought it was all about me and like my food and blah blah blah. And it was also super fucking pretentious. But I I want zucchini curls four inches. Not an inch less. Oh, yeah, no, that's and exactly And you're serving different was. kinds of gazpacho every day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the menu, actually, it was a tasting menu, and it read only one word for every course. So it was like, carrot, sunshine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rutabaga. <laughs> so you learned. So you came, you've so conquered, you've no, learned, but, and now, but, but and most, now you've most been of my, humbled. Most of my career was in, was in fine dining um, and, and Michelin star restaurants and i wanted to take the attention to detail like i i was I, for one i was kind of done working in, in restaurants altogether but I, if i if i were to if i were to you know work in them again it would have to be my own and i wanted to do something that was casual i thought that i would put all of the attention to detail and the hard work that goes into working in a michelin star restaurant to doing something for people I wanted to make the best food possible that was simple and fun and something that was not around here. Interesting. You saw and you saw the gap and you saw it pretty much immediately. Right? I saw it immediately. So I, I spent $50 on a, on a burger and a wedge salad. We're not going to say from where. We're not going to say from where. But, but yeah. that made me realize that there is a need for affordable food. There's because everybody, I mean, I'm, I know well, I'm going food, on a tangent that's not like not from be. my no, roots, it's fine, it's but... Fine. It's well, food should not be what? food shouldn't be a privilege like that. You should have accessibility to good food, to and good it shouldn't food, yeah. be you know locked behind being able to spend an outrageous amount of money. Yeah, and I which think, is not every place out here by all means, right? Yeah, but and, it's and I think that's where you can speak on this too, as being the local. So Kai, for those who don't know him, is a local to Sag Harbor, and and uh, he has the other perspective as well, which is the same same perspective that you share. Mm-hmm. And and it's the same. It's it's you grew up around things that are you want the good deal. You want the food that's affordable. You're not gonna want to be ripped off for something you know is, you know, subpar or something you know I you mean, can make. You can go you to know? you can go to Montauk and spend a hundred dollars and sit on a picnic table and have garbage food. Right. And that's sure. that's that's not okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. 
I mean, <laughs> it yeah, happens. Yeah. But people, but people will spend. But people will spend it. it. Yeah, day people in, day out. <clears throat> we all know. Well, but not locals, actually, and that's the difference. Not one, not locals, and also it's I, that's why I think that we're kind of a funny concept, or us, us you know, little birdie is a little bit of a, a of a weird concept in the sense that people so, normally you come out here to start a business, right, or to do a business, aim and and try to cater towards the more affluent people who are living out here, because that's the general consensus, right? That's people come out here in order to make money in that sense, which there's right. nothing wrong with. Yeah, We kind of came at it a little bit more backwards in the sense that like we wanted to provide something a lot more for the community, for people who are around, people who work in town, right? Or work and live in, in, in the community. That's, that's you know, our... But that's how you get the love. That's how you get the attention. That's how you get for the us. Love. That's that's what was important. It still very much is. And that's also and that's also what was going to separate us from every other restaurant out there because we're offering one. I want to say better quality food because we are, but we're offering it at a more affordable price, and that is what literally separates us from everyone. But it's also just a fun. It's a fun place. Right, and you have fun doing it. And just, Kai, to talk about your background, because we spoke yeah. about Alexis's too. So w- what's your, you know, obviously I know, but for the listeners out there, what's your uh, background? In so I grew, up in, I grew up in Sag Harbor, and I actually started working in restaurants in Sag Harbor when I was about 14. So every summer, well, before the school year ended, in like May, whatever, when, uh, when the restaurant would open up, that's where we'd be, you know, one after school, and then once the summer actually hit, seven days a week. Uh, and restaurants were always an avenue in order to, you know, kind of, Honey, and it was something that I became very accustomed to. And even when yeah. I left, when I graduated and went uh, moved into the city, it's something that I, I gravitated towards as well. Like that was my job. That's how I paid the bills, and it's something I, I really enjoyed and always have really enjoyed because I think it's really nice to be able to provide an experience for people. And obviously, that I only got that perspective because of the different places that I worked and saw. So you were um, hospitality through and through, and that's, through and and that's what really got you. That I mean, that's how you learn, right? You learn, oh, absolutely. That's they always say, like that's the that's the way you do it. You you learn by knowing every single position in the place. Like you yeah. can do everything. Absolutely. You know, you're not you're not man enough until you can mop the floor. You can you can bust the table. You can do the roll up. You can do this. You can wash the dishes. You can run the dishwasher. You can make a something. You know, you have to be able to do everything. I mean, I had one summer where I was I was cooking. You know, I was out here and I was cooking day shift. But the thing is, we didn't have a busser. So after I would finish cooking everything, I would go out and change and put on, like, you know, put on an apron and go and bustle all the tables. Oh, wow. Um, but, Money was but, pumping, though. Yeah, hey? yeah, it was, it was fun, you know? But you're absolutely right. When you go through every single position and you learn how to do it all, well, one, you have... That's a, what makes oh, the best have, managers. It's what makes the best managers. Owners, but partners. You, but you also sorry. have... But it's also... You have a better understanding of how hard every single position is. And then you start... Well, not mistreating people because you know that if it's something that you don't want to do, right? Be, uh, but you've done it and you know it sucks. And you but, ask somebody else to do and it. And you ask somebody, well, yeah. Pay them no. well and they'll uh, pay them to well pay them if they're well doing it. But, but, also, <laughs> but also, you know, like, let's say if if, you're, if your dishwasher walks out on you, you're, you're screwed because that's one of the most, when people mistreat, oh, like, man. when people, yeah. I've been in restaurants where oh, they it's mistreat. the little ones. It's where, the little yeah, things. Where they mistreat, like, the dishwasher or the, or the busters and stuff. It's like, Oh, you're gonna that tank. ruins your whole you're, night. You're, that ruins your whole restaurant. If they walk See out, later. we're screwed. See you later. That's the one cog in the whole piece, right there. Every but every single person yep. is the important cog, and that's Absolutely. and that's the issue with what's going on in the food industry today. It's Absolutely. something that we both experienced. We've both been doing this a long time, right? And it's <laughs> it's part of the reason that we, you know, when we were talking about potentially doing a concept at some point, when Alexis called and or told me about doing a little birdie. I was immediately in. And before that, to pre- you know, preface, 
I had left my last job. I had literally walked out because they refused to give me health care, and I walked out on the spot. It during, was during, during it was the, the middle during of the, the pandemic. pandemic. Yeah, dealing with hundreds of people a day. I was there from eight a.m. to two a.m. for five months straight. And right. It was a restaurant that was literally down the street from me, and I would go there. I would go there for coffee every morning as I was walking my dog, and then when he'd get off work, he'd show up at my apartment to just for like for drinks and to hang out. Right. You had to blow off some steam, man. Yeah. That's how yeah. you gotta do it. And it's. Business. I think that's something that has been in the industry a long time, like in the restaurant industry a long time, but it's a very old concept now. Like you, you don't see chefs throwing knives at people anymore, you know, but we both, we both experienced that age. I want to say. So you've both been battle scarred through those chefs. Yeah. And it's through that management, through all that. And it sucks because it's, it's restaurants are, are, should be, it's, it's such a place they become very family oriented in the sense, but there's also other dynamics that go in that with every family. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think that those things need to change uh, in restaurants. That's absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And one of the things, one of the reasons why Kai and I work so well together, well, is because we see eye to eye on so many things. But we also have totally different positions in what we do. His career has, for the most part, been in front of the house. Mine has always been back of house. That's how it works together. And but we also work in harmony because we also understand that at the end of the day. In any restaurant you are, which is also why I never understood why the kitchen people would always yell at the servers or something like There's that. There's always this weird dichotomy between yeah. the front of house and the back of house. Like, they're like they're almost enemy-like. And, and I just never so understood that. It should be because symbiotic. It should yeah. be, exactly, it should be. Because, because that's how it works. If it, it works in synergy, if it working. works, yeah. exactly. Because that's how you put out food that's on time, Think about food a that's good. If somebody, let's say if a server forgot to put in, like, a side and then... They say, hey, can you fire, the, can you do this on the fly? And then the cooks are like complaining about it. It's like, why are you fucking complaining about it? Just fucking put it out. It's not that hard. It takes you two seconds. Right. Like, it's, that's it's, not the problem. And, and then the issue is. It's egos. It's egos and bullshit. Well, yeah, you know, but, that's what but, it is. but that needs yeah, to get away. That needs to leave. Well. Yeah. It's not. It's also, yeah, it's also the way it's the. Such, the it's the, such a way that things are done, right? Exactly. And it's something that we both would like to change, change. in the future. Like, it's, it's, that's. There should be symbiosis in that. It should also just be comfortable and and something that everyone should enjoy within that aspect. I mean, you should, uh, we we go to work, I mean, we work a lot and we're there every single day and we still are excited about going to work. Granted, it is our restaurant, but it's rare. That that is, yeah, there's a little bit of a difference in that aspect. But but you guys, and and you're not just a normal restaurant. And and I'll say that in a a sense where, you know, you're doing something different. I do want to say that we're we're also takeout. I came out here when Mm -hmm. the pandemic hit. I did not, I was not planning on going back into the restaurant industry. And if I... If really? I was, oh, so you were oh, that far done? Oh, I we was were both, done. We so were both done. When I quit, when I left, so that was I called, fed up, fed up. I called Alexis, and I was like, I'm never working in another fucking restaurant again. And I literally said the same thing. I was going to look for something different. <laughs> I was going to start doing, I was going to start probably consulting and, or doing something like that. And. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. yeah. yeah, exactly. And, yep. and like, and basically, like. I, 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 t- I said to myself, I, if unless it's my own, I'm not going to do it. And when and but also I was never going to do I was never going to open up a restaurant if it wasn't with Kai, because he's the only person I trust to see eye to eye with Love everything it. I do. And he calls me out on my bullshit. I call him out on his. Love it. But it's not personal. It's, it's not personal. It's no, no, because, no. You keep because, that because, shit at the because door. we have the That's, because yeah. it's big picture. That, that shit stays at the door. The personals when you have partnership in a company the personal shit you got to keep at the door that's for afterward you handle that whatever your your work relationship it's 
like we said, it has to be symbiotic. It has to be something that is coexisting in an environment where you're both working high intensity jobs for long hours on your feet all day long. It's exhausting. The one thing about a restaurant that you will never find a shortcut, a fast break or whatever for is hard work. It is a hard thing to do. Restaurants are hard things to run. And that's why they're hard investments in most senses, because Mm -hmm. it is hard work. And a lot of the time you don't find the people that are suitable enough to continue and maintain that hard work. It's and a very emotional business, right? Because it is. You, you know, food is is a really good way to, to interact with people, right? But at the same time, there's those 10 minutes where people are waiting for the food and it's, you know, they're hungry and you, I'm sure you've experienced this and a million hangry. times. Yes. Yeah, hangry, yeah. exactly. Where you're sitting down and you're just sitting there fucking waiting for the food to like drop on the table because you know these people are pissed. Right. But that goes on both ends of it, right? There, there's there's a really strong, I think, emotional connection within restaurants that, you know, it happens in other industries, but is is a lot more prevalent in restaurants specifically, I would say. Absolutely. And, and it's also it's also emotional because, you know, tensions are high. And people get people like, you know You've been it, to summertime in the Hamptons in the restaurant industry? Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's oh, like yeah. the most abusive thing. Yeah, that's why you don't you judge your server when you slam your the back, shot. Yeah, your <laughs> back is to the wall and your back is to the wall and you're oh just going you're just going goodness. order fire order fire order fire you just do it. Right. It, it's a, it, you got to pump it out. Yeah. But but, then, but that's when the cash flows in. So you take it as it comes and that's why I always think about restaurants as a roller coaster, right? Like you're all part of the same thing. Your 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 chefs are your cogs, your you know, your servers are your bars that hold the people down, like whatever it is. Like those are everything is all connected. It's a great analogy. It, it, it's just like you have well, your ups take and downs. it as it comes. Hey, it looks like he takes it all day. But it's <laughs> oh, his hair's flying out a little. He's getting a little red now. Sorry, we're about to go in a real direction here. Uh. But no, it's it's like it's chess, not checkers. It's a game of strategy in which you're building everything on this daily basis to kind of complete a picture within a year, which then you're going to now build for the next year and make everything better. And then you make the next year better than that. It's like a very, it's a very unique business opportunity and where you can really mold something that kind of creates itself once the community becomes involved. Well, it's really important. I mean, I think this, you know, this will bring us back a little bit, like in that idea you know, for us, restaurants or this this concept in particular is our goal is to make people happy, right? Yeah. Like that's that's really, that's really what, what it is about. That's what it is at the end of the day. We really wanted to create a community aspect where you know people are happy to be in there, and we we see that often, and it's so nice for us. You know, when people come in and they're excited. I mean, we have people. We have people that when they're walking by, pop their heads in just to say that. The dinner they had last night from like that they picked up from us last night was amazing. And that I'm makes sure us felt, so happy. I'm yeah. sure you felt this. You know, when somebody calls after you see they call and like oh God, they were like, yeah. they're like, we were just at the store and they, they and when you somebody calls say, and they want to talk to either the manager or the chef. Right. My heart, heart drops because I'm like, right. oh, shit, I That's gave out raw chicken or something. No. Right. Every time they that's happened, talk. it's been like we. We just want to tell you guys that was so delicious. We had such a good, and every time we're like, we're so and humbled like, by it, you know? And it's humbling. It's it really great, is. But, that, but this is what we wanted to do. We wanted to make people well, happy. Well, you touch people, and then, and then you give them their weekly promise, and then, then now they want to do this, and then that's you touch how you people emotionally. Um, you do. just want to clarify that. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, the service was excellent tonight, or oh, this was, that yeah. was incredible, or oh my it's God, about, your, your server was this, or your bus guy was that, or you're the, tell the chef my regards, or oh, yeah. whatever it was, whatever the cocktail, the no, cocktail and, was and great. And that's something that matter. feels so good, and yeah. especially when, when you start a business, and it's, you know, when it's your business, and you're putting your life on the, you're putting your yep. life on the line, you're doing everything you can 
just to, you know, you put yourself out there. I put my heart and soul into every single item that comes out of that kitchen. To have, to know that people are happy, it's, 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 it's rewarding. It really is. And, 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 uh, and that's the difference, too. And you guys are more unique. I think we should dive into, like, what Kai was mentioning before. Just with the space. We, we should sorry. dive in about, really, kind of the concept of this space, because I think that's what's important to talk about when talking about all this stuff, because we're discussing a space, guys. When we say restaurant, they have a, it's like a pseudo it's takeout a th- restaurant. 347 square foot restaurant. 347 square feet. So essentially it's a mall kiosk inside. <laughs> Pretty much. A building. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So that's what it is. And they're pumping it out. So think Wetzel's pretzels, but it's Lil Birdie and they're yeah. pumping it out and they're pumping you uh, vegan options. I'll let you explain the whole thing. Chicken options, everything you want. They're pumping out everything. Well, I mean, the, the idea really started when, well, as I said earlier, when I was ordering food, everything was expensive and kind of underwhelming. But I also, fried chicken is something I always used to make for family meal, staff meal. For um, those who don't know, by the way, right. family meal, staff meal is in a restaurant. At around Thank 4 you. o'clock. At around almost, 4 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. 4 o'clock every day. Everyone kind of sits down. Or the idea is everybody should be sitting down and eating together. together. Yeah. That's normally when you'll have like a meeting or, you know, go over the night or the night before or whatever. Right. Most yada, yada. restaurants do this. Most great and, restaurants yeah, do this. Yeah. And, and a lot of restaurants, when they do family meal or staff meal, they just throw shit together. And that doesn't really help anyone because when your servers who are working on their feet all night and dealing with customers, when they've had a... a shitty meal for a staff meal they don't actually want to be working or they're not it doesn't give them any energy doesn't give them any joy and i always took it upon i mean i remember i was at the spot i was working at the spot you want comfort food when you're a server well yeah no but also you want to make something that's like that's not just thrown together yeah right and so i remember when i was at the spotted pig the sous chef who usually made family meal was too busy and she's just like gave me a bunch of stuff to work with. And she said, why don't you make staff meal? And I was like, oh, but, you know, it's like, whatever. She's like, this is your time to shine. And that's when I realized this was, that was my opportunity to show my peers, my other, the other chefs that worked with me that I was worth something. Cause I was young. I was a young cook at the time. Right. And after that, I, you know, I started realizing staff meal is incredibly important. So when I started making fried chicken for staff meal, um, I actually had a lot of fun doing it, and people loved it, and that's something that I've always enjoyed. I've always enjoyed making, you know, making fried chicken. When I was out here, and I realized that there was an opportunity, that there was something missing. There was a fast, casual spot with good food that was affordable. So I was trying to wrap my head around what kind of food I would make, and there was no fried chicken. I mean, the only fried chicken you get is the one at Cromer's, which, don't get me wrong, was crack when Ooh, we were growing Cromer's. up. Cromer's, <laughs> how you no. doing? Shout out to Ed and the boys. And, and yeah, and, and the thing is, it's, it, it's, they fry it ahead of time. It sits there. Like, what we it's wanted to do... It's a completely different style. It's a different style. Right. I'm not saying it's yeah. bad. No, 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 no it's, it's totally delicious. different style. But we, yeah. wanted, we wanted to create... It's a, New York style every, fried chicken. Everything, yeah, everything we do is cooked to order. Yeah. And we wanted to curate something that was fresh... And actually, like, you know, what you order, it's being made specifically for you. Right. You wanted to take that essence of the deli style and bring it kind of to, like, you know, because I feel like when you get that Cromer's, like, when you get that kind of deli style fried chicken, like, that's great. 
That's good fried chicken. And that's like oh, yeah. for people that work, that's great yeah. food. Tell me One Stop Market's not the busiest market in town. Are you kidding me? Go to that place at any time of day and it's packed, yeah. line out the, you know, freaking people lined up every all the time. It's so busy. But it also just, you know. They have great fried chicken. They have great fried chicken. But it's, you know, it's legs, thighs, you know, breast, right, whatever. Right, right, right. I wanted to offer chicken it in a sandwich form. Right. Something different. Yeah. I, and we did our, I mean, I, we did a lot of market research. Uh, the concept for Little Birdie was really about making something delicious that was affordable. We're sort of doing things backwards. We're not opening up a restaurant for the rich crowd out in the Hamptons that comes only during the summer. We want to be here for the community. Right. For example, when we, when we opened up, we didn't do any, any advertising. advertising. At all. At all. No. Right. And we really didn't cater towards. Uh, we didn't really cater towards that crowd, which is the typical. You know, is the typical idea. That's that's people when they start a business out here. That's the, that generally the crowd that they'll cater towards. We really wanted to do something that was, you know, if let's say if you're working in a restaurant or if you're on break from you know wherever you are working, like you can come there, get something, not spend an arm and a leg, get good food, and be able to go back to work and not feel like shit. Right. And right. actually, having done that is what kept you had us- service industry hour like. Like hours. Well, basically. well, what, what, what? Having done that, it actually allowed us to more than survive, pretty much thrive in the winter time because we. So we didn't advertise when we opened, and the the people that were coming were the people that saw us doing construction and were curious. The people that lived there, and so our clientele in the winter time. I mean, we have our regulars, and we have a lot of regulars, and they're You're awesome. Your food is incredible, by the way. Thank you. Thank I, you I visited the establishment. We this is the part where we're met. supposed to shit talk our food. No, uh, <laughs> yeah. we have these we guys met. on. It's shit. Just, uh. <laughs> just a little background about myself and this establishment. No, no, we went there, and uh, specifically, we went there. It was on Harbor Frost, and yeah, it was. was and, it? Yeah, yeah, it was. And and we walked in, and and, and we were treated with open arms, with arms wide open. Mm-hmm. It was great, and. No pants. Nope. Yeah, they both weren't wearing pants, which we thought was kind of awkward. But I mean, you know, it wasn't whatever. Topless Tuesday. No, top, it, was, top, it, was, top it, was, it was. It was bottomless Saturday. <laughs> bottomless Saturday. <laughs> no, no, but but uh, it was great. We walked in and and they they helped us out and and we had fucking incredible food. It was a great time and yeah, and, and it was you. just like a great experience. And I think that's what you're talking about. It's community. People can come in there and just kind of float in, float out. There's a couple seats, guys. I was like, what? What's your four capacity? seats? Four seats. There's four seats. There's four seats. You can go in there with three people and you I mean, sit down the, and eat. You know, when we were designing or get takeout when we were designing anywhere. the space yeah. and, and you know, when we knew that we were gonna be in that space specifically. So when we started designing the space, we both wanted we both were thinking about this sort of like Japanese izakaya style eatery. Like a tiny space with just like four seats. Lunch like, counter. Like it's yeah, lunch counter. But it's not even a lunch counter because we are a takeout restaurant. It's you, funny. So you, we're you can talking sit about there the space. if you want to, but yeah. We were looking at different places and sending each other obviously pictures of stuff and and the idea of what we wanted to do. And we actually sent each other the exact same picture of this like small hotel in Japan. Like completely off the cuff. Like we sent it within like, like five saw, minutes yeah. of each other. We were we we both had the like same search like history of like what we were looking <laughs> for. And, you know, we started sending each other a lot of porn, and then there was also uh, the a lot of these uh, establishments in Japan. <laughs> 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 I 
and then you landed, right. and then you landed on, and then we landed on this one picture, and we both agree. We basically sent it to, to each other at the exact same time. And we're like, "Have you seen this one?" And yeah. we're like, "Oh, dude." And that's that's what we kind of wanted it to look like because we wanted an open kitchen. Part of the reason why we wanted an open kitchen or just an open space in general is because we wanted there to be no, we wanted there to be complete transparency. We want people to see how the food is made and also to see that it is actually made to order. Everything you order is going to be done fresh right then, right there. And we start from scratch every single day. You've essentially built, and I don't mean to disrespect you when I say this, a giant food truck. Yeah, well, it's not a giant food truck. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a size double, of a, a double size food truck because it's that small. <laughs> no, but that's but you know what I mean. Tiny space, but that's exactly yeah. But that's a yeah. really yeah. that's actually a great comparison because it's very much in that in that essence and that style. That's that's how we want people to. Nobody's yeah. ever pissed to go to a food truck. You know, you get excited when you, you see. Well, a food you're truck. building street food. Yeah, that's what you're yeah. doing. Actually, elevated, elevated. No, but that's, elevated but that's what I'm food, saying. But, but, actually, but you're building our this sandwiches are so level. big. I wouldn't even consider it street food because you can't really walk around. No, and but eat it. but look at like what what Koji did in in yeah, LA. In it's LA, like, it's yeah. a, he opened Alibi Room where oh, it's yeah, like no, he's no, no, serving no. his. Absolutely, it's like you know you start with these smaller concepts. You start with the food truck, then you make the establishment, then you make the bigger. I completely it's agree like with what you're, you're saying. You're coming into that, and you see this. It's the like way, that's what the way I look at it. Looking into the food window. The way I look at it is instead of calling it street food, I would just call it. Quick service, right? Fast casual is, Fast what, casual. The, is what the term, yeah. the, the proper terminology is these yeah. days. Yeah, but really, what it comes, I mean, and I mean, I, I'm not against the concept of street food. If anything, yeah, that's sort no, of no, no, what but it you was. Don't want to associate that, with, that's what with it was. Literally, just on the street. It's well, in a it's in a kitchen. It's in a proper well, place. Yeah, it's no, just, but there, it's also takeout. But it's right. It's to me, it's the portions are a little bigger than they would be off of a food cart, but. No, actually, yeah, sure. It's street. It's fast casual is the best way to describe it. I would say. Yeah. The concept was also to do well, quality food, s- simple, and also none of it is simple, but also have it be healthy. Now you'll say fried chicken is not healthy. Well, it's not, but there you can also get the grilled chicken and or the falafel. And if you get the falafel, every single sandwich is vegan. So last summer we started doing the food program for Murphs because. As a bar, they in Suffolk County, they are obligated to serve food. Now, they can do chips if they want to. Cuomo chips. Yeah. Cuomo yeah, chips. Cuomo yeah. chips, exactly. So what we decided to do, which also works out perfectly because trunk food, we were doing, we, we make nuggets and our falafel balls. So we sell it to, the, we sell it to Murph's Cooked as, you know, already portioned. Right, as a legal kitchen, right. Yeah. And we got them an air fryer for them to reheat it. And it works perfectly because they're crispy, they're hot in the middle, and it's nuggies with nuggy sauce. That's yeah. the best thing. Why would you not want that? And if anybody, sometimes people, and falafel with falafel sauce. Yes. And sometimes people come and ask <laughs> us if we do, if we do oh, nuggets. We also don't make nuggets at the restaurant. Yeah, yeah this is exclusive it's at Merck's. It's only exclusive at Merck's. street food at Merck's. Yes, exactly. Like, that's the only place you can get it. When, when people come in with their kids, we tell them that, you know, They'll they're going to have to wait, wait until like another 18 years. Oh, so wait, do you not have a kid's menu at Lil Birdie? No. no. Oh, that's gangster. I like that. Oh yeah, the no. foods. It's it doesn't need a kid's menu. It doesn't lean just as we were talking about earlier. The, the, yeah, let's what, talk so about what the menu. We what's do? on yeah, the yeah, menu? Let's, Kai. let's give a little. Tell us what's on the menu, Kai. So essentially, we do a few different styles of sandwiches. There's four, excluding there are four. yeah, excluding specials. There sometimes. are four. Sa- there are only four sandwiches. Four styles of sandwiches. However, that being said, any of the sandwiches you can do with fried chicken, you can do with grilled chicken, and you can also do with falafel. If you eat any of the sandwiches with falafel, they're all completely vegan. 
In fact, anything on our menu that doesn't have the word chicken in it is vegan. Oh. Like, except for, for instance, cheesecake. Except for the cheese. Yeah, well, the dessert's seasonal, so yeah. sometimes right, right. here and there. But even like the buns that we use, they're both air, uh, dairy, dairy and egg-free. Egg Oh wow! Yeah, this it's something we also fairly offer. allergen friendly. Oh, very oh, allergen. very allergen friendly. And anything that has that would be an allergy, like sesame seeds or something like that. Those is... are things that we can omit because those are things that we like top to order to pop, yeah. top yeah right. top well, off with. The advantage of being making everything to order is that we can omit that. Now, right. I will <laughs> say it is a small menu because we have four styles of sandwiches. However, you can come back to Little Birdie twelve days in a row and have a different experience because you have twelve variations of the sandwich. Wow. Okay. So that's a very good way to break it down. So you yeah. can eat it, you know, multiple times a week and not feel like you're eating the same thing. The same thing. thing. No. Yeah, because absolutely. it's completely There's... different. If you have the between the fried, the grilled, and the falafel, completely different experiences. Everything cool. is made in house except for our buns, but we, I, I make everything from scratch every single day. Right. Was it the square footage and, and the and the money that scared away from a bigger place, or was it truly no, not you at all? No, it's it so, nothing so, to do so, with. So it had nothing to do with the original. Location was going to be in Southampton on Hampton Road, a space that was seventeen hundred square feet. We're actually still waiting for the landlord to get to back to get us. Back to us. Uh, we had a lease to sign about a year ago. He's just a little late. More than a year ago. Yeah. More than a year. Actually, yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. We it were was, supposed to meet. It was we January second. Is that in addition to or that? No, 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 no. That was going to be the original. That was going to be the original location. And then oh, okay. when understood when when the landlord didn't get back to me, like I I was waiting for him. To text me back. We had a lease. Me, we had a lease. We were ready to go. And another another group outbid us, but we weren't told that. So a month goes by, I don't hear anything. And so I call I, 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 I call the real estate, yeah, the broker and and or the agent. And I was like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, Oh, you were outbid. And I'm like, Oh, thanks for fucking telling me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I was like, hey, okay, so what's next? Like, what's our what's our fallback? And this is the issue. This is an issue out in the Hamptons is that there are very few wet spaces. So a, wet, a wet space is defined by a space that has a grease interceptor. So you're... Which you need to in order to mm-hmm. have food. So, 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 so your plumbing line yes. is not just going straight into the sanitary sewage line. It actually has to go through a different... This is the learning portion of this podcast. Yes, we learned yeah, a lot yeah. about this it. We're actually, we, we've yeah. learned a lot, a, a lot about no, these this is why interceptors. I literally, keep going. So, <laughs> and you're done. All right, next topic. <laughs> now, next topic. It's good. Well, okay. All that to say, there are very, there are very few spaces. There are very few wet spaces on the Hamptons, and it, it Fact. just, it happened. The, the space that used to be the Sag Harbor Bacon Company was going to be available or they were their lease was going to be up and they weren't planning on renewing their lease and so we jumped on it because there was nothing else and so we took a chance you know being in that we we you know it was one of the only spaces available granted and so when we actually ended up in the space we were a little nervous initially because Sac Harbor is a pretty small town and where we where we are located is not on I would say the beaten path it's not on the main street first off it's off to the side and so we were a little worried about being able to have people in or if people were going to come at all. And yeah. honestly, we were also well, worried about this. Well, we weren't really worried about the size of the space. I mean, I, I was actually happier in, because yeah. I, it was it was way more manageable because it was it's just the two of us. Yeah. 
And so we were a little worried about the space. And we realized, honestly, I think after the first weekend, we're like, thank God we're in this space. Like, this is, it allowed us to be us to such a different, like, you walk, if you walk into the space right now, the first thing you'll see is a skateboard up, you yeah, know, yeah, I made the, which is yeah, a new addition. Skateboard. We, we have a skateboard uh, so with, like, a little, little birdie, birdie on it. We have an employee of the month that's upside down. Employee of the month, and then it's a it's a duck that's smoking a cigarette, and and, and the smoke just fucks the shit. We give a fuck about right. what we're yeah. That's that that's one of the issues out here is that there are so few wet spaces. That's why we ended up. I mean, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise that we ended up where we are now. But in in a place now, did you anticipate when you first con like conceptualized all this? Did you first anticipate a place? A place that small, or you're like, you know what, this is. Great. I think we wanted it to. Well, we definitely wanted something. We wanted a something little bit small. Bigger. We wanted something bigger, but but the original space that we found in Southampton was huge. Was huge. I was actually it gave me anxiety because yeah, it would have because we were starting something from nothing, and we obviously both knew how we were going to be doing it. But we've done it this was before in lot. many different restaurants, and we knew that that space was going to be a lot more difficult for just the two of us to run. Yeah. And it, sorry, and we and we've seen that before. You know, we've seen it happen. We we've seen the pitfalls of that. So it sort of was. It was um, a blessing in disguise that that place fell through, and we ended because also this space defines us way better. Yeah, I think it's it's nice when people walk in and and they're like, "Where are we?" It's like, like huge you're in a things place. come in small packages. <laughs> and I think not in our case, but yeah. And that's the magic of it, though. Like, right? You walk in this cool little place, and then you see all this stuff, and, and you maybe get the best meal you ever had, and it's like this little place. Isn't that the best, though, when you go to yeah, travel, it's right? Those, when you those go to travel. gems, right? Whether it's, like, internationally or through the States, no matter what it is, it's that hidden gem. Like, you go to that town, you catch that little hole in the wall, and it's that great and, food, and, and it's that great spot, and you're like, damn, that's amazing. I mean, I if, we, if, if we look at last summer, for example, when we first opened, we would sell out around, like, 5 p.m. some days. And... It was so hard. When you sold out. You sold out. You just stopped. oh, this is we had no more food. This is literally so. Right. We we'll talk about this a little. Uh, yeah. So we opened up uh, last July, two thousand twenty-one, um, and we were only initially open actually on the weekends. On weekends, which we, the reason why is because we were we were trying to like work out all the kinks. So we opened up on a weekend, and then after that, after the weekend, we were going through everything we had done and try to correct everything that was wrong. So come August. Um, <laughs> We ended up, we were open six days a week initially, yep. and we would sell out every, from the day we opened, actually, we sold out every single day until Labor Day weekend. And it was, it was astounding to us every day, like truly. Without I, doing any yeah. advertising. Because we would, we would come in and we would just be like, all right, no one's coming in today. Right. And then, and, Nick, and, then, some and, then and family at first, like, no. was it anything? No, we didn't. No, even, no because the thing is. Every it took so long for us to get the permits to get everything, and then when we were done with construction, literally two days after we were done with construction, it was Friday, the Friday of that July Fourth weekend, weekend, and I was I got there early. I was you know prepping, doing everything. Kai walks in, and I'm like, dude, I don't think I can. I don't think we can open today. And he's like, no, fuck that. No, I just looked at him. I was like, we're we're fucking we're, we're fucking doing this. And I was like, okay, I just needed somebody. I did. I needed Kai to just let me know that he had my back, and. And so we did. Literally, we opened the doors within a half hour. Within an hour, we were. I was swamped, and it was great. And and people people started fun. and people came back every single day. Yeah, we, we definitely. That's amazing. 
Well, congratulations. I mean, we were we were last, too, last well. summer last summer we were selling between I think 200, 200 to 250, 250 sandwiches a day. Where it felt good. What? 200 to 250 a day? A yeah, day. a day. We what was break. the bare minimum? What was the conservative sandwich? Our break sandwich our break even is 55 sandwiches a day. So you guys went in. And it and was unreal. And it still it is unreal. It was unreal. It still is unreal. But that means you nailed it. Yeah. I and mean, you know, uh, but, but that's that's conceptually. I mean, know. well, we nailed we nailed the concept. We nailed starting something that we nailed figuring out what people needed or what was missing. Yeah, because it was, we because it, we every single day, every single day, we try to we every single day we work on improving what we do. Do you think other people in hospitality that are looking to kind of make that jump of hey, you know, I've I've done restaurants ten years, I've done fifteen, I've done this. You know, I can do it myself. You know, do you think that's the way to do it is a smaller concept and build small, know what you want to do and, and kind of go from there? I think it's completely dependent on this one on the situation. And two, I think that that's something that a lot of people will start a little bit larger and then downsize after that, after yeah, realizing. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I think I think that is something that we ended around. up doing right. Yeah. But not uh, not necessarily on purpose. You know, we just happened to fall into, as we were saying, we happened to fall in that space. So I don't think it was intentional on our part but it definitely did end up working out for us in, in a much in a very beneficial way i mean if there's any advice i could give is do your fucking research because if you have a concept that's great but if there are if your concept is to have a japanese restaurant and you're opening up you're opening up a you want to open up a japanese restaurant in a space that has Four other Japanese restaurants in a town that has four other Japanese restaurants. That's not going to. You're not going to be any different, right? So, do your research, get the concept right, and also work in the industry for about 15 years, uh, and then and then never want to do it again. <laughs> exactly. And then finally, just Quit. be like, and finally be like, everything I've hated. I want to make sure I do. I'm, I want to make sure I try to change the lifestyle around it. I do want to preface with that though, or say. Uh, I don't know. I've always enjoyed working in restaurants. It's not like I've hated. Oh, it I've always years. enjoyed yeah, working yeah. around. I, mean, I didn't want to come off. I was, as, I was yelled at. I was humiliated, and it, but I still went to work every day with a smile on my face because I love. What I keeps love you what in I hospitality? Do. Like, I love what making people. It's making rewarding, people happy, but making people happy. I think catering and experience is is that's truly, really what it is. It's truly what it is, and it's something that we really enjoy doing because, and that's what we do at at, at Little Birdie. We care and experience, and it's it's different for us in the sense that we do it in a five to ten minute window, right? And that's actually something that's for if you want to talk about ramen, yeah, where we where we get to really show people that kind of catering of an experience that we don't normally do. So both our backgrounds are in. Fine dining, or and right. uh, we'll we'll put it this way in, in in larger restaurants in sit down situations because our restaurant right now is a takeout. Right after Labor sometimes Day, people will call and be like, "Can we make a reservation?" And we're like, "Yeah, sure," but there's four seats and they're all looking out into a parking lot. As long as you're happy with that, though. <laughs> actually, actually, somebody I think it was two days ago. Somebody came up with a great idea of having like the chef's table. Oh yes, where we put a stool <laughs> in front of our dishwasher in front of like the in sink our area. Bit. In our dish pit and just have them sit there, and it's like I cater. They the make the reservation. We have it on, like on Resi and open <laughs> table, the and they table just call me in there. Four thousand dollars for the night. Yep, exactly. That's it. Exclusive. No, but so so in in catering experience, you know, yeah, we cater an experience in five to ten minutes, and it's not it's something we enjoy doing, but there's also a different aspect of the industry that we miss, and we actually tried to create that 
over the winter because it, it, wintertime out here, things shut down and it's and it's almost sad. It, what, what's sad is like, for example, for, for people like Kai and I, when we get off work, there's nowhere to go for dinner, really. Granted, it's a little late. So most of the yeah, no, I think we just get off late. In but, that aspect. But, but there, there, but there isn't, isn't enough variety, and also there aren't, and and also a lot of a lot of places are only open on weekends in the dead of winter. Hours, which completely makes sense for being out here. It's not yeah, nothing like. But that. I do it's, think. But but then but then what about we the people bet, that live you know, here? We, year I know round, exactly. You know? And we would, you know, the community here, I think, would greatly benefit by places that are able to be open and like just, you know, places to hang out, have a, have that community aspect. So we wanted to create something completely different and also something that would give us, this it, is was, for us. it was, it else. was for us really. It was basically like inviting, it basically having people come in. I'm not talking about little birdie. I'm talking about our ramen nights that we were doing in the winter time. So once a week we would do a reservation only every, every half hour we do staggered seating. So you get, you stay there for, for an hour and we would do a six-course tasting menu, the main course being a bowl of ramen. It was not a tasting menu portion of ramen. It was an actual full bowl. And for 55 bucks, you know, it was really it was really about... It was really about catering experience to people and really portraying what we would want to do while going out to dine or to, to that style of experience, which... It doesn't exist in many places, not just here. It just it doesn't exist in many. And it, al it almost became an event, but it was also very selfish on our part because it was, to a certain extent, having our you know our our community, our friends come and hang out with us. Yeah. Right, and it was something we really enjoyed doing, and it it also got to show people you know someone who had eaten there before and just had what we normally do, right? And they came for this experience, and they're like, "Holy shit!" Like. But what was actually interesting are the people that came to our ramen night but had never been to Little Birdie for like our regular stuff, and we would have to just explain to, you to a, them. Just to give you a you know background on this, we didn't we didn't advertise the ramen. Either. We told people a few people in the beginning of September, and then never talked about it again. If somebody asks us about it, as we said, we don't do that. But before <laughs> before we even announced no, that seriously. we before we announced that we were actually going to do it, we had a sixty person wait list. That's amazing. Yeah, but that's how you do it. I mean, you guys have obviously found the solution in, in tying to the local community, tying to the, you know, the fanfare of, hey, I can have affordable, high-quality food at a takeout joint that's meant for this. Like this and is, also and that's what it's built for. And we were I talking we about just, that off-air, off was that there's a, there was a large shift We didn't say anything off-air. I don't know what you're talking about. No yeah. idea. <laughs> no, no. But we were talking about during the pandemic, you know, it's it's hard for a lot of these restaurants, a lot of these, these nicer restaurants, a lot of these restaurants in general, to kind of make that shift to transition to takeout. And it was a really hard feat for people to tackle where they didn't really know how their best dishes would transition to go. And so a lot of companies didn't really know how to handle that business. And by the time companies were kind of fumbling, figuring it out, you guys were already kind of hot tracks, boots to the ground, knew what you were doing, mm -hmm. and you were selling food already. So I mean, the, that's the, the difference. You guys, I'm not kidding when I say this, you guys took a, a real food truck mentality to the way you like punch through and like was like you know what we're we're pulling up, we're making food. Like this is what's going on. Like, the idea the happen. idea behind it was also to to create something that was that that we could replicate. Yeah. And have it just be have it be fast, have it be easy because and and because we knew that it was just gonna be the two of us, we couldn't we weren't gonna do it. And we also wanted to focus on one thing and one thing only, which granted I'm gonna say making good food. 
No, originally we were going to chicken spot. We right? were going to focus on chicken. <laughs> As we, we were saying earlier, like, it's, it's exactly it's a I know chicken you, joint. Here's the yeah, thing: exactly. the menu has us, the menu but... has changed since our first iteration oh of it. Oh my god! Okay, we're we're talking about one thing. Well, that too. <laughs> no, but when we first opened, it was based. It was very chicken forward, and now it's more non-meat forward. The first week we were and did first... that help sales? Well. It did, actually, because now that we have our salads, we have our grain bowl. However, most people still look at us as a chicken joint, and a lot of people don't even care about coming in to see what we I offer. Didn't know because you, I didn't know you had falafel or, or anything else. Or salad. I didn't know you we had any We have a salad. And before going in there, I, did, I didn't know you had any of that. Too. That's what I'm saying. I, I didn't know, know you had any of that. Because everybody sees us as the... And don't get me wrong. I'm happy that we're the fried chicken place, because if that's what people... If that's what we're up against... I I want to I want to prove to people that I can give them the best fried chicken they've ever had, and that's and that's amazing, and that and that's a chef's touch though because it's not it's not an ego thing it's it's a thing of no I've done no, this it's I've not, been in the it's game it's not an ego thing no it's, at all. I've been in the game I've done this and I want to kind of provide this love that I've learned I want to give my like labor of love to you guys like well, I want to well, kind of well, show that the thing you know? is whenever whenever people actually sit down at the restaurant because we do have four seats counter seats when when like a group of two or three come in and they sit down they go quiet for 20 minutes this is our favorite thing we, while we they're love eating. when people eat there because they get their food they sit down they're in the middle of conversation we, like we give them the like food me. yeah yeah and you, yeah and you, you actually went yeah, quiet. Exactly. you went silent you you sit down I did. you went I didn't silent. Go silent it was fucking incredible <laughs> you sit down and they're just eating for 20 minutes and nobody's saying a word but like, right but like, <laughs> but like the idea is the expectation I was going to spiel about the the essence and the art of the food truck because I think where that gets lost in the Hamptons is what pisses me off, and I think Kai can speak to this as a local. Yes, Alexis, you own a business here in this perspective, but you see that like you can't afford the real estate space growing up in hospitality, and that hurts you, and you think that, hey, the last conceptual thing I could do is, hey, let me open a food truck. That's the simplest thing, right? Like that's the That's the baseline way of how I can get my roots into a restaurant. But the town even says this. No, you can't even have a food truck. Yeah, it has to be. So it's like, you know, it's an even bigger thing. Sometimes you start with the food trucks. Sometimes you start with this. You know, sometimes you start selling meals. Like whatever the hell you you are selling, how you're doing your your craft or however you save. I think it's a shame that in this town there's no essence of food truck. Like we we make people bid like sideshow monkeys on like spots yeah. at beaches yep. for, for food truck space. Like it's some kind of fucking carnival. Like allow people to just have food trucks it's crazy like why not conceptually allow it's like we think it's tacky like i don't get it i don't i so i we've done we've done a little bit of research around this because our plan originally was we were it'd be great for you guys to have a food truck to put places that you didn't have to pay forty thousand dollars for a summer for if 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 we couldn't find us if we couldn't find a space we were we started looking into the idea of doing a food truck, but out out east because it's not Suffolk County, it's it's out here. It's the different towns, different Hampton towns. Um, in order to have a food truck, you have to be physically connected to a business. So right. that's why you see them at a farm stand. That's why you see, but you can't drive around and park anywhere. I think part part of it, I from the research I've done, has to do with traffic and stopping traffic, but also few restaurants that they have here they wanted to let them they wanted those restaurants to be the 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 livelihood or you know the life of the towns i i i mean yeah i guess i can i think there's just a certain there's a certain like idea that it's it's a little bit lowbrow 
honestly? No? No, there you see I, it? No, I, I totally understand what you're saying. It's it's conceptually in the Hamptons. Obviously that's why they're not, you know, that's why but there's that's, but that's sad. Yeah, which is but, a bummer. Right, but that's why there's you know, that's why there's no mom and pop stores on Main Street. It's the same concept, but that's what I'm saying. Why not break the mold and allow at least a food truck somewhere to park you know, in the same space that a car would take up for two hours, why not let a food truck park there for two hours? Well, because like, there are there. Have you seen? Like, our, have you seen the 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 parking lot in front of our restaurant? There are no spaces available. Oh no, no, you know what I'm saying. It's just like anywhere, any place, any yeah, time. It's like course, a food truck is like you kind of you, you nestle your way in, you bully your way into a spot, you park, and then well, you sell. Well, if we, you, you know, know, when we were talking about it, our one of our favorite reviews is from a guy. We were we were talking to him. He had a really he seemed to have a good time at least. And we were talking to him, and we were telling him like, if you leave us a review. Make sure you give it one star, and just but like but the, be like, as nice as possible. Great. Everything's amazing, beautiful location. You know the views, the food, everything. The guys, damn. Um, <laughs> give us a one star, and literally in his review, he's like, "These guys tried to convince me to give them a one star review, and I couldn't. I, 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 I consciously could. Yeah, yeah, yeah." And in terms of the business in in general, and and the ideas that one could have to start up a business. Like, what, what's your recommendation, Alexis? If you were to say, if you were a young chef and you wanted to start your own concept, what would you tell them? You can't fight the system. What do you do? You throw it on the ground. You're not my dad. You're a cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> Elaborate for the non-drunk people out there. Elaborate what you mean, chef. Yes, chef. Elaborate. No, if there's any advice I can give, if there's any advice I can give, it's honestly do your research. Do your research. Also, I would say, I mean, I, I think it's really important to stick to who you are. Yes, as stick well, to who you are, exactly. Because it's very easy to kind of get lost in the sauce of, of you see how every other business is run or whatever, and, and, and you kind of want to emulate that. But you lose a lot of your own self in that, and, and with losing that, you kind of lose you, you lose your own individuality. Individual, with that, no, exactly. I mean, which is really important in, in any business, or at least. Well, well, we we you started talking to us about whether or not having a small restaurant is the new way to go. And by small restaurant, you mean a place that focuses on one thing versus it being a larger restaurant that has everything you can possibly imagine on the menu. I do think, and and kind of have talked about this many times. I do think that smaller niche restaurants are are the future because that also, I mean, you see it all over all over the city, you see it all over, actually all throughout the U.S., these smaller restaurants that focus on one thing, whether it be ethnic cuisine or whether it be, you know, uh, vegan only or whether it be chicken only, for example. Right, whatever Focusing on one thing. Focusing on what you're good at in your real house. So so having, having a small space has allowed us to really focus on that, and that's something that we actually believed in because we wanted to do things the way we wanted to do it. And that's, that is the advice I would give. So the future for little birdie, like what's on the menu? Are you guys run trying to expand? The yeah. we're gonna yeah, run yeah, yeah. The So ground. the whole concept of little birdie is we started off with a certain amount of money and we decided to go see how long we could go with just running it directly into the ground. Nice. So you guys are like going off the concept of open yeah, yeah, six yeah. months. Like instead, no, of, no, no, no. instead of, instead of making money, we want to lose, lose money. It. Like we will be closed. Nice. You know, we, we, we plan on being closed July and August. Yeah. And yeah, actually yeah. only being open for one day in January. So for little birdie, what we would like to be able to do is we, we created this in a way that we want it to be, uh, you know, replicable. 
We wanted to do something that we can create a few more of these. We, we, we want, well, the idea was to be able to scale it. Exactly. It's, you Make know. it franchisable one day. Uh, well, not necessarily yes franchisable. No. So we don't want to franchise because we don't want to lose control over it. You don't yeah, because qu- there's... Choice words here. Control or quality control? Both. Well, oh, yeah, a little column oh, A, a little column see, B. That's the key word there, both. You don't end up like McDonald's. Oh, no. I mean, I who doesn't, who doesn't want to end up like McDonald's? <laughs> what the fuck's wrong with you? No, I'm saying <laughs> end up like the McDonald's, the two brothers that lost Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no. That's what I'm saying, yeah. No, I don't want to... No, we, we don't want to lose control over... Because obviously there's some part of it that is we're going to have to mainstream. But we don't want to lose... We don't want to franchise because we don't want to lose control over... The so you're going to own is. all locations of whatever you're open. until we get bought out. Okay. So and that's, then that's and it. then it's yachts. <clears throat> that's what the future is for Little Birdie yachts. Okay. So yachts. The future for Little Birdie, Little Birdie I th- I, which I think is a concept we both agree on. We really want to bring a, a stylistic change into the way that restaurants are right now, or at least were. I won't say are right now because we both, as you know, as we've gone over in this podcast, we we have both been in the industry for a decent amount of time. I would say at this point, and the lifestyle s- the lifestyle around it is the lifestyle is unsustainable and it yeah. sucks. Big word right there, so unsustainable. It is. Right. It's it's something you bur- you shouldn't have to burn out and you shouldn't have to be jaded about something. Why is a six hour shift a seven hour shift a burnout? Eight hour it, shift. It, does, a it shouldn't be because it, it never ends. Right. You know, it never ends, and it's it's something that you know we touched a little bit about this earlier. It's it's it is a very emotional thing because you are dealing with people directly, right? And it's hard, like you know, if somebody complains about something, it's hard to not take it personally, right? Well, you're dealing person to person. Exactly, you're dealing person to person, which is a huge with, advantage. You're also dealing with egos. Egos. It's it's a huge advantage, but you have it on both ends of the spectrum. Yeah. Um, but I I think something that we both very much agree on is we want to ch- we would like to be able to eventually change the way. The way restaurants are run and the way the way the lifestyle around it and in it is it is. We want to be able to have healthcare, right? We were talking about this earlier. Um, we want to be able to offer healthcare to anybody that works for us. We want right. to be able to make sure that the people are treated correctly and are paid properly and don't hate going to work. For those of you who don't know, uh, at least in New York, if you are working in a restaurant and you're in front of house, you are actually paid Five dollars less than minimum wage, because um, you make it up in tips. Yeah, no, no, no. yeah, and, and you're I, supposed and to I, make and, it up and, in tips. And I think that's, I think that's, well, right. that's not okay. And, you know, it's, right, it's, and the boundary is that you're supposed to make it up in tips, right? Yeah, and, and then, that's not that's and, not on a like level by level concept. That's that's on a much higher scale, which is right. what we would eventually. I think what we're talking about is what we would eventually like to be able to broach and and to really change in that aspect. Rather, yes, and it's not the, like the the individual restaurants it's more of it as a concept so it's basically the idea is if you look at let's say an office um or a startup or something like that and they all have really great work it's a really great working environment we want to change the restaurant industry to make it also a great working environment right yeah, I mean, and that's and that's the plan i mean whether it be for little birdie we actually want to i mean we talk about it with everybody we know and we also want to we what we try to do is to make people realize how 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 bad the lifestyle is in the restaurant industry, and we want to basically just want to bring that bring light to it. I mean, it's something you've experienced, right? Where you know, do you know anybody who's left a restaurant and and they didn't really have like the reason they left wasn't for like a jaded experience, you know, or they're like bitter about it. 
Right. Like, how many people ever, do you know do you that, know like... anybody who left on really, really good terms? You know, like, <laughs> when does that ever happen? Really yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that sucks, because that's not the way things should be. It's, it's you know, the reason that I left, and well, I didn't want to do... It's a matter of, of, of taking pride in the ownership, you know? Like, a, a lot of owners of restaurants don't grasp that. And I think that's what we have out here is a very large disconnect between the owner of the establishment, which is usually just a wallet, comparatively to what is actually translated to the front of the house and the experiences that they have. You know, most of these restaurants don't have HR programs. They don't have, like, things that are in place. They don't have... they should. You know, like, they don't know even simple digital HR, like a bamboo, for example, or, like, simple onboarding processes that could be digitalized. I feel like these days you see a lot of these restaurants that kind of have these archaic policies and they could transform themselves and be slightly more progressive, get themselves in that new age, but also take care of their employees. Because I think at the it's end of the, the day, you want that security. That's the, the, you know, that's care the things. The, if the employee leaves, you're kind of screwed because you're then screwed. you have to look for someone else. You have to train to someone new. It costs, I mean, look at any principal. It costs so much more to retrain somebody new than it does to retain somebody. I'm not a fucking business. To, I have a degree in history. I don't need a degree in business to tell you that it's, it's ridiculous. Listen, I've, you know? I've fired, you know, my fair share of people just being in this industry and managing yeah. for however long. And every single person for the most part that I've, you know, had to let go. I always try to find another job for them by some other sort of connection. Like that's not, the point is, you know, you want to be able to build people up. And I do right. think that that does happen out here, but I think it happens to such an extreme because you get like out here specifically, it's the summer months and you're fucking, you're going right. There's no stop. You work seven days a week. That's yeah. it. But that, but, but that's the, that's the problem with, with the seasonal restaurants where you're working seven days a week you're working crazy hours. You're not treated really that well. And for both your mental health and your physical health, it's not good for you. Right. I mean, and for three, even if it is four months or whatever it is, it's still four it's months a is fucking mental health. It's a beating. Yeah. You know, when, and I'm not complaining about it because you know, we do it. We chose, like he, we chose this wait. life. And let's just, let's just put it in some context here. I just want to make sure this context is like vividly clear yeah, for people that aren't in restaurants. If you're not a restaurant worker, we've like talked about this whole podcast as like guys that have worked in restaurants our whole lives. For the people that for the for the 80% of people that listen to this podcast that aren't in restaurants, let me explain to you. When you work in a seasonal environment, sure, you make that bank for those four months. You're rolling in it. You're crazy. You're loving it. But guess what? You hate your job so much that you have to blow off so much steam at the end of your night that you basically blew what you made in that night having fun that same night trying to blow off the steam that you already took on. And if even that, if you're a better person than I and you, you've you somehow found your way to Mecca and have not spent this money, you're still not making that money the other six months out of the year where you really need it and you're cool you can go to rincon or you can go to fucking wherever you want to go to vacation but you're still going to come back and work that same brutal four months not having anything saved not having anything to show not having anything dude that's not having a vicious any cycle not and no health care no benefits that's a vicious cycle i have so to break that mold is very important yeah and i think yeah, that's very important I it's mean, not we, a sustainable lifestyle if you don't make it sustainable exactly. exactly and that comes from you know that comes from the beginning of whatever place that you're working at right that comes from higher up and i think that there are places one for instance out here that do do it in the correct way 
or do it in a way that make it sustainable. Yeah. And they definitely show sure. that. And because I, I, I feel like we're being a little no, no, negative there is on it, places I, I there, there that sure do that. that there absolutely is. But but we're I just don't saying think that, in, in that's sense. the There's, general, it's not the norm I, exactly. And right. make, creating that and making it to the norm. And I do think over the last decade. There's Things definitely been changed, a yeah. There's definitely sure. been a transition. You know, we talked about earlier. Nobody, you know, if you were in a kitchen nowadays, nobody's ever gonna throw a knife at you, right? Because or or don't you, you you don't get your your ass slapped. Yeah, you're right? not getting your ass like, slapped. Some dude's not leaning game. over. Like his balls aren't hanging out as you're leaning over, and, and then he all of a sudden makes fun of you, right? Like that doesn't really happen anymore. There's no waiting. There's no Ryan Reynolds going on. No, there, exactly. Right? This like, is those days are kind of over. There's no slamming <laughs> salmon. Like yeah, there's no those days of like brutal restaurants. Like those kind of days which is are over, great, you know. It's, it's a really it's, good. It's transition. great that we've already transitioned towards right. something that is way better for the people that work in the in the industry and don't have to feel because like they're being uh, chastised, used, or or, or or teased and made fun of, and you know, it's it's so great that we've moved past that. And also, I can't speak for women because I'm not one, but if you're a woman in the restaurant industry, life is not as bad as it was when you were treated like garbage. Right. And I mean, well, that's a big thing. I mean, fuck. It's huge. It's oh. huge. Now it's a big deal. I mean, you, you can't find it. Always, no, it we've always come, was no, a big we've deal. Come, we've come a long way. We've come a long way. And I think, but there, I think that's important but there, to note, too. But we there became are, more progressive, obviously. But out here in New York, it's like, yeah, all that shit. We've, you know, we're, we're there, you know. All that's there. We're yeah. there. New York's very progressive. But there's still but there's still a lot more that needs to be done. I mean, a lot of it also has to do with one, the hours you you work, the way you're treated, it's not good for your mental health. You guys are talking about breaking the mold and, and talking about developing this concept. Yeah. But now what can other owners of restaurants do to maybe kind of dive on this mentality? What if you own a big place like, you know, the Palm or you own a big corporate establishment? How do you shift you know, gears to kind of formulate this. I think good that you need to be able to communicate with the other people that are working in the same industry as you, honestly, because that's, it's, it's something that in, uh, in other industries, you know, people really, I feel like communicate with each other a little bit more. Uh, restaurants in of themselves are almost a little competitive, right? Because sometimes it's competitive business and that's just how it is. But I think that communicating with the other restaurants and other people, which is something that we really appreciate about being in Sac Harbor, specific, uh, you know, specifically, we've had such great, you know, people have been so kind to us in so, so many su- different ways supportive. and so supportive. And it's been such a wonderful experience. And that's something that we want to be able to show to other people. And I think doing that and going by that avenue is something that will just lead into that. Right. So my my thing about the way one changes can be made, unfortunately, it costs money. And money is something that is scarce in the restaurant industry. Yeah, the businesses make a lot. The owners make a lot. But there needs to be a little more that's cycled back into the business. I would say maybe hiring, maybe having HR be a thing in restaurants. That or would help a lot. Profit sharing, for example. Profit sharing, for example. Oh my god! Don't even. Yeah. Now, but what I but what I will say is, just like remember a few years ago, there was this whole thing about no more tipping. Once one restaurant does it, other other restaurants follow suit. Once one restaurant changes things and start make and starts making things better for its for for its employees, other restaurants are going to start picking up on that. Yeah, and that's what needs to happen. Yeah, that's what I, we would like to happen. So I think we're we're getting at here is follow your dreams are you circumcised yes all right cool 
Uh, thank you guys for listening so much. <laughs> we appreciate your time and effort. Thank you for listening so much. If they could take away one thing from this podcast today, what would they take away? Alexis, we'll start with you. What's your last final thought? Oh, I thought it was this is like I Jeopardy. Take away. This is like Jeopardy. This oh, is we're your great last at Jeopardy. Uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. It's Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah, I think we stand united in that. Mount Kilimanjaro. Guys, and the Oz have it. Mount Kilimanjaro. Little Birdie. Kai, Alexis, thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. Yeah, we appreciate it. <laughs>